Welcome to the People Teaching People podcast. My name is Tiana Fesh. I'm a mom of three, an educator, a course development consultant, and a lifelong learner. Teaching and learning can take place anytime, anywhere, and in a multitude of ways. The range of knowledge and skills to teach and to learn about are truly limitless. But at the heart of all teaching and learning experiences are the people. The People Teaching People podcast is the place to talk about the who, what, when, where, why, and how of teaching and learning in a world where there is always more to discover. Education plays an important and integral role in all facets of our lives. How we work, do business, live, play, explore, and build relationships. Let's talk teaching and learning together. Welcome to the People Teaching People podcast. Joining me on the podcast is Nancy McDonald. When one teaches, two learn. This quote by Robert Heinlein so beautifully highlights a key takeaway from my conversation with Nancy. Being open to learning and remaining curious as both a teacher and a learner can lead to so many beautiful experiences and opportunities to grow. I love how Nancy describes her art studio as a lab for life and how she shares her story of evolving and pivoting her business, which started over 20 years ago around her kitchen table. Nancy McDonald traffics in hope and joy. She's a best-selling author, public speaker, and owner of Art Studio for Children, where she has had the great privilege, joy, and mess of serving over 7,000 artists of all ages. Her love of the unexpected, coincidence, hidden meaning, and humor are thrown onto every canvas. The art school is an opportunity to love, nurture, and empower others and give Nancy the most joyful work she could imagine. Thank you so much for joining me today, Nancy. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here, Tiana. Thank you for having me. Well, we've got lots to talk about, but I wanted to start off exploring a little bit about your journey and your story and some of the pivotal moments that led you to become an artist, but also to establish the art studio for children. Well, let's start first with becoming an artist. I think, and I tell my students this always, we are artists if we do art. It's not like a light switch that suddenly goes on. So my mom would tell you ever since I was a little girl, I have been making and baking and doing and burning things in the toaster oven, you know, and all the things, glitter and glue and paint and out in the backyard. So it's always been a big part of my life, but truly as creating a business, it started when I found my four-year-old daughter drawing in a way that kind of astounded me. She was young. And she was creating quite a sophisticated sketch in her room by herself. And from that point, I wanted to embrace and really encourage this side of both of my children. And so we embarked on a small group program around our dining room table. I think we had six kids the first week, one six-child class, And that was over 20 years ago. And since that time, I've worked with more than 7,000 people of all ages. So it's really a uh, homegrown story. I love that so much. I like how, you know, oftentimes it, it, it is our children that inspire us or create a spark or a nudge that kind of gets us heading in a certain direction. And I can just picture that group of six around the table working and oh my goodness, what a journey to grow and have the opportunity to work with over 7,000 people. That's a significant number. Thank you. I'm, I'm so proud of it and I'm so grateful for it, really, truly. So one of the things that you shared with me, and I love this so much, is that you see the art studio as a lab for life and that it's never just about the art. 
So I am curious to learn from you, what are some of the art and non-art skills that someone would gain from a studio experience with you? Thank you for that. Yes, it's okay. So non-art, we'll start with that because they're the least obvious. You might imagine that there would be many non-art bonuses to a, any, you know, any art class, but not everyone's going to think that way until they experience it. So we talk, Tiana, about digging deep. We talk about approaching the studio and our artwork and each other with a deep sense of agency and gratitude. So agency is each student being onboarded to feel completely at home in the studio. And when I say that, I don't mean they're jumping on my bed upstairs because it is a home studio. I mean that they are respecting the space. They come in, they arrive, they set themselves up, their shoes go at the door, they come down to our beautiful home studio. They grab their stool, they grab their smock, they grab their sketchbook. We, gratitude, we can talk about gratitude now. The gratitude is every class we do something I call our eight great. So that student will arrive. That first student who arrives gets to choose a letter of the alphabet. And from that letter, and this sounds very basic maybe, but I know it won't be wasted on you. Let's say the letter is F. We talk about, we draw or we write, and then we share eight things that are great in our minds that we're grateful for that start with that letter. And sometimes they end up needing a little bit of a prompt. So we talk about categories, family and friends and food. It's coincidence. They all start with F, but you, you get catch yeah. my drift. Hobbies, academics, subjects at school, experiences, sounds, smells. And once you start to, to prompt them like this, their mind opens up. And you and I both know, Tiana, that gratitude makes us happy. Happiness doesn't make us grateful. It's really the act of being grateful that gives us a sense of happiness, not the other way around. So it's a great exercise for them. But in my lab, in my studio, it's a great exercise for me. This is where I can remember in my busy life, in my imperfect life, that I have so, so much to be grateful for. So they help me and I help them. And it's very moving. We take our work from good to great. I've read a lot of business books. I follow a lot of great big thinkers. And I love to share these with the youngest people in the world and all the students that I work with from age four to 90. And that is to imagine that that moment that we get tired and we say, I'm good. I like it. That maybe what that really means is I need to take a little break, have some water, sit on the couch, draw on the blackboard, sketch in my book, walk around, see somebody else's work, come back to it fresh and take it that extra little notch up. And that can be very exhilarating to experience as we both know. And why not share that with the youngest learners? At the core of our values is a sense of inclusion as well. So that's a non-art skill, but very important to me. I want to surround myself with people who accept each other, who are respectful with the space that we are occupying together, with the people sitting beside them, with the noise level. Why can't we give ourselves that gift that maybe it's just going to be a quiet but invigorating studio time? You know, like a classroom, really. Let's take turns. Let's listen to each other. Let's enjoy the silence at times. So that has astounded a lot of people when they walk through my studio that actually it can be completely quiet. It's classical music, and I've got a room full of seven-year-old boys. Something else. So then the art skills, that's everything. I mean, that's these beautiful words that have the double entendre like perspective and composition and color and texture because those are life words and art words. Impastos, graffito, sketching, layering of color, using a wide variety of mediums by their proper name, building up their toolkit, not just for art, but that's important, but also for life. So that's what, where we kind of focus in the lab. 
I love that picture that you're drawing of what the experience is like. And I think it's so critical, like with any learning experience, and I appreciate all the thought and, and care and attention you've given to this, is creating that sense of community, that sense of culture, that sense of connection among the students or the kids or adults that you're working with, because it really creates that safe space. They know what the expectations are. They know what they can do. They're being thoughtful of others around them. And it creates a space where they can take risks and stretch themselves and make a mistake or ask a question. Like it's a safe, comfortable space to learn and explore and experiment. And it sounds like you've given a lot of care and attention to really setting your students up for success that way. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's very easy for me to come up with this because it's my sense of utopia. We have a lot of experiences just looking at the evening news or the newspaper or what's going on in the world with dystopia. We have a lot of experience with less than perfect human behavior to one another. And uh, by the way, I'm not looking for perfect, but what if we could just create an environment where we elevate each other and ourselves, where we speak with mutual respect and where we feel safe and heard and seen and happy and peaceful? I, I just think that is what how you are probably approaching your life with your family. Yeah, it's busy. It's you know, as you could use the word chaotic at times, but it's still generally happy and peaceful. People know, as you say, they know, they know what's expected of them. And I know what's expected of me and what I want to do in that time together. No, it's so true. It's like the calm in the chaos, which I love the chaos and I love the calm. But yeah, having those clear expectations and really creating that space and time for people to be their best and to be their best towards others is fantastic, no matter what type of learning is taking place. Now, um, I always think about teaching and learning as being such reciprocal processes, experiences, whatever you might call them, but we learn so much by teaching and mm -hmm. we teach and, and by learning as well. And as a teacher, I just never feel that I know it all. So in my past, I was a junior high, high school science teacher. And even though that was my area of specialty, I would never call myself an expert. I always mm -hmm. felt like there was something more to learn. And in any interaction that I have with individuals and groups in a teaching role, I find I learn. And at times, much, much more than I feel my learners have learned from me. So... I'm wondering how this idea of the reciprocity of teaching and learning ring true in your role as an educator and working with students in the world of art. Tiana, I love what you've said about your own experience. And I would like to say that I think that that likely has always endeared you to your students and probably your friends, family, and your clients. That sense that you're prepared and you're good at what you do, you're great at what you do, but there's room for improvement. There's room for surprise. There's room for, say, the youngest person in the room or the very oldest person in the room or anybody in between to teach you something or to remind you that this is a journey of learning and that you don't know everything. So I, I love that. That's We can't be apologetic about that. So I, I feel like I've been... I constantly raised up by my, by the artists that I work with. We have a mutual love and admiration for each other. I have a high need for affection and connection. And I get this from my students of all ages. And that makes a huge difference to my life and my happiness. You know, their creative ideas, their sense of fun, surprise, their pure love for the moment inspires me every day. When our hands are busy, we are able to, our, our hearts are sort of freer, our spirits are a little more free to share what's troubling us, what we're struggling with, what is difficult, what is joyful, you know, our glory, our pain, all of it. 
And I've found over the years, if I have a personal struggle, I might come to my program and after we get started, you know, working with our hands on the project, that I might say, when you are struggling, what what helps you? And, you know, a five-year-old's take on that is useful because at the end of the day, it's the simple solutions to everything. They, so during the pandemic, I was always asking them, you know, what, and by the way, of course, I pivoted to Zoom with art kits. So it wasn't in person, but it was, it was helpful to me. And I believe I helped a lot of people at that time. But we talked about, you know, eight, we did our eight grade. Absolutely. We hung off of it. We needed it. But they would say, helps me to be with my pet, snuggling with my pet or hugging my mom and dad, or playing catch with my brother in the backyard, or doing art comes up over and over again. Talking to someone I trust, uh, you know, so being out in nature. Tiana, you and I are just getting to know each other, but I would guess your, your things that help you when you're struggling are probably all of those things as well. So we know them implicitly, but we forget them in the time of need. So to have these people of all ages remind me, baking cookies, sitting by the fire, you know, going for a walk at night and looking into people's homes, you know, when they're lit in the wintertime, whatever the case might be. And, but they were simple things and they were things we still had control over during the pandemic. So that's a long-winded answer, but I get so much from them. And of course, they will try things within the realm of the curriculum with me. And that's where I learn either a way to redirect them back or to say, that's a really great place you've taken that project. I'm learning from you and I'm going to use that with others. So both in the non-art and the art skills we'll have these moments of reciprocity. Absolutely. And it's interesting in listening to what you're sharing, you have such an openness to that. So I think sometimes that's kind of the key piece. Like there's so much to be learned from our students. Well, there's a quote by Adam Grant. I don't know if you've heard it. It's the organizational psychologist, like the idea of what if we just assumed we could learn someone from something from everyone we meet is the essence of the quote. And I think just having that curiosity and openness to the people around us and what might be possible is so important. Now, over the years, so your business started in 2002, is that right? Yes. Yeah. So over time, I'm sure there's been lots of learning and evolving and growing so what have been some of your key takeaways over your journey in having your business since way back in 2002? Well, I, where to start? There's, there's so many lessons that I'm deeply grateful for. There's all kinds of things perhaps I wish I'd done earlier. I might've been a late bloomer in a few areas. The business back when it started really relied on and flourished with what I call WOM, word of mouth or word of mom marketing. So really, it, that's, that's what it was. The business did very well simply because I was out in the world. People knew. People talked about it. This is sort of, we weren't really emailing a ton at that time. There was no email marketing. There was pretty much no social media to speak of. At least it wasn't being used in this way. So building my database was an important thing to do, taking care of it and creating clever, succinct, visually interesting, compelling email marketing programs and social media, getting in front of the camera which is nobody's idea of fun. I don't. I haven't met anybody who really wants to do that. But we have to do it. We have to do it. So, really, I was I was hanging out at school, picking my children up, getting to know the other mothers. That was my target market. Well, of course, as we know, Tiana, our children grow up, 
and we do too. And, you know, we need new ways to reach out to people. So I think that's been a, been a big evolution. The way that I let people know what I'm doing, Google reviews have been very helpful. There's still a good amount of word of mouth, but people, there's, there's so much density to the information today for people that it takes them a while to say, oh, that's the person that I heard about who does that neat thing and I want to be involved. Yeah, it it is such an evolution. And I do appreciate so much what you're saying about our kids get older and so do we. I see my kids getting older and I have to remind myself, oh, yes, that means I'm getting older too. <laughs> our oldest is now taller than me and I look up to him. And we do have to evolve and grow and change. And obviously, you've created something beautiful and wonderful that people talk about and continue to want to learn more about and and get involved and engaged with. So I want to go back to this number that you shared with me. So you've served over 7000 artists of all ages at your studio. Um, And I'm wondering if there is a particular like heartwarming or inspiring story about one of your students' artistic journeys that you would feel comfortable sharing with us? I, I thought about this idea a lot. And I mean, there's, there's countless funny stories. And one day we were doing a makeup class and uh, three little girls showed up and said, are we going to learn how to put on the makeup or are we going to, you know, so it's just, okay, this is not a makeup school. <laughs> this yeah. is a makeup class for the art class that That's you missed. so funny. Really cute. So lots of humor, lots of poignant moments, lots of tenderness. But in terms of over and over again, hearing that the students of all ages, so the adults who haven't painted since they were 10, the children who are beginners in their own right, that they hang their work at home, company comes over, their dad's business partner, their mom's best friend, their grandmother, you know, big party they they threw and everybody's admiring the artwork and asking them where they got it. And then that great moment where they get to say, whether it's an adult or a child, that they made it themselves and then I, questions about commissions start coming in. And I mean, that's, that's incredible stuff. So they've already loved it enough to hang it up. And the rest is just gravy. You know, you already have this beautiful piece of art that reminds you that you are in a growth mindset, that you are capable of doing things. You're an engineer by day, but you can paint a painting or you teach science to a middle school, but you can make beautiful art for that blank wall, or your child who maybe they haven't found their thing, but they're proud of this that they did, and it's up on the wall or it's given as a gift. So that over and over again is brings me a lot of joy that they're just so thrilled with themselves and they get to say they made it themselves. I love that. As an aside... Just with the number of years that you've had your business, have you had an art student as a child come back as an adult? Yes. So let's say that the oldest is maybe 25 now. I have uh, so a bunch of these great, wonderful students because, you know, my there's there's a huge intersection between my personal life and my professional life in a way that you know, 40 years ago would have been unheard of. You should never combine, you know, and now it's completely combined. So my friends become clients, my clients become friends, my friends' children came to my art school. And that is amazing. I love that so much. But I I think having them return and work for me, I run an art camp in the summer. And so many have come to work for me. Many have, I recently had someone who I think is in grade 12, their mom reached out, she's at boarding school in the States. And she had an art exhibition that was very big. And so she sent me her artwork and thanked me for 
you know, bringing out her artistic side. And I really, I really love that. I really love that. Those full circle moments are so much fun. And I sort of ask this because of a recent experience that my husband and I had. So our youngest goes to, well, he's in junior high and he's in grade seven and he started at a new school in Alberta. There are middle schools, but it's kind of elementary, junior high, high school. And I already knew that his math science teacher was someone that I taught in university (laughs) as one of my education students. And we went, so we had parent teacher interviews. So we had our interview with her and then we went over to the humanities teacher and she looked at my husband and said, did you ever teach at Midsun junior high? So my husband had taught her when she was in junior high and now she's our son's humanities teacher. (laughs) So just these small world moments where we sort of reconnect with students that we've worked with. And I just thought it was so neat that now they're teaching our child. So what you did was you, I mean, there's so many gorgeous pieces to that, but you actually, I think, showed them what loving what you do feels like and is like. And and uh, for the recipient to be in the presence of a great teacher who is a joyful teacher and a generous teacher. It's life-changing. You know that. You know that. So that's enormous. That's so satisfying. Good for you. That must have been thrilling. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty exciting. And yeah, we're thrilled with where our, our uh, kiddo is going to school. It's been, it's been great. But yes, just funny, those small world moments. One of the things that is a part of, well, everything, but teaching as well, is there can be some challenging moments too. And I'm wondering what might be a common area of challenge that you've encountered in the world of teaching art and how might you address it to ensure that you have that positive learning experience for your students? I think in the onboarding of new students, this is not the case with my adult students, generally, but, and I don't know, Tiana, honestly, whether it's a, you know, post pandemic thing, I feel that it is, but I'm not sure. I can't say it for with certainty. But I think the art of listening needs a boost (laughs) needs, it needs some help. It needs some help. And I think that is problematic, because we move at a good pace. Our art projects are uh, meant to stretch. I, I create things, I create ideas and projects that are meant to challenge. And I don't want to be too negative, but I do, I do find children really interrupt today. And I think it's a very, very big problem. So civility and manners and listening are at the core of what we do. And I'd say that's, that's been problematic. That's been problematic. We do, we do a meditation at the beginning of class. We do a breathing exercise. We try to shake off the day, you know, all the stimulation and all the whatever that's happened in someone's life, shake it off and just slow right down. It takes, it takes some work. So I think that's that's a struggle. That's a little bit of a struggle. I also occasionally, and this might be something else that you're interested in hearing about, I'm not sure, but occasionally I have clients who want an open studio experience. And I really try to spend time before they register to say, that's not what I do. That is not what I do. I think there are places out there for that. And I know they exist. That's not what I do. I want to teach someone how to build up their toolkit, set them up to succeed, take them through a series of steps to create that wall-worthy, transformative artwork that has lasting resonance and will just springboard other ideas and give them that confidence uh, to, you know, we know years ago, 
because it's fairly prescriptive and we follow certain steps and it's a real classroom experience, it's not a free-for-all. I used to include one wild card, what I called a wild card class, every term. You can come in, choose whatever size canvas you want and make whatever you want. Tiana, (laughs) they all ended up in the garbage. And it's not because they didn't, they don't have ability. It's just, it's a little bit like, do you remember when the teacher would say, I I, I want you to write a 5,000 word essay or two pages of, you know, it could be short or long on anything. And it was terrorizing. The blank canvas can be like that too. So what I'm hoping is I give enough of a, you know, amazing experience in each term that they, they start to look at the world differently. They start to see the world in an artful way and they pick up on, you know, their own style with time. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, and I think it's so wonderful. Like you've got your approach and the way that you work with your learners and how you really want to set them up for success and in communicating that clearly, it helps people understand what an experience with you looks like. And there can be different experiences and different opportunities students might experience with art. But I so appreciate, I think sometimes along with, it kind of goes with the listening piece, right? It's really understanding what the learning opportunity is all about. So it requires that good listening and that good communication. And it sounds like you've really invested a lot of time and energy into communicating that message to others and then creating, you know, a beautiful learning space for the type of art and experience that you have students go through. It's funny, last night I was, there was an online school council meeting for this, the school that my son goes to and the focus is on STEM. So science, technology, engineering, math. And somebody asked the question, would it be possible that there could be organized hockey, like an ice time before and after school? That would be amazing. So many Mm -hmm. kids enjoy hockey. And the principal said, I love the idea. And maybe one day we organize like a staff student hockey game or something like that. But that's not what our school is about. And if we deviate too far from like a focus on if it starts to become a hockey school (laughs) and a focus on like incorporating ice times into our day, that takes us away from what we're we're really good at and and strive to to stand out for. So nothing wrong with that idea. And there's lots of opportunities in the community for kids to get engaged in that. And maybe there's a way we can bring it in as a fun community building activity, but that's not what we do here. Mm -hmm. And I thought she just said that so beautifully, like, respecting the question, but just also saying, that's, that's not our school. That's not our program. And we want to be really good at what we do best. So I I liked that. You know, we have to say no to say yes. Yes. This is a good thing to teach our children too, that we can't be all the things and do all the things. So I like that too. Somebody who's kind of firm, but, you know, listening Yes. Considering, but but kind of firm in their values and and their mission statement. Yeah. And I and I think that is really what makes like your experience amazing and wonderful because you are really tapped into your values, your mission, and what you bring to your students and the experience you create. And yeah, I just thought it interesting how the principal needed to step into that space as well and and address the questions. And I'm sure just like you get those questions too. So I wanted, speaking of science, technology, technology is always, you know, a hot topic these days and such a huge part of everything we do. And I'm curious about, you know, in this crazy, rapidly evolving world that we're in, how do you envision the future of art and how it might evolve in the context of technology and digital art and doing art with our hands? So I think that's that's really a, a great question. We are in a modern world and technology is, I mean, look, you and I get to spend time together. That's 
technology and I'm grateful for it. And there's so much online learning. And I think technology saved a lot of us during the pandemic, saved my business for sure. However, and so I will say I have done some interesting things incorporating technology. I have a online shop called nanceromance.com and it is a place where we, it's a design lab. So I've taken a lot of my abstract paintings and created uh, wearable art. So leggings and tops and tote bags, makeup bags, pillows, that kind of thing. And I also offer that opportunity to my clients if I see something that I think would translate really well. So, for example, a large canvas is done and is going to hang in the artist's home, but they would like to create pillows for their grandmother from this design. So that's something we can do in our lab. And I love that. So that is an intersection of art and technology. Having said that, Tiana, I do feel, I mean, never say never, but my feeling is this is going to continue to become uh, a salve to the busy world and a place where we don't use screens, where we use our hands where we enjoy each other and and our own abilities without technology. So I don't know that I'd be moving too much into the area within my studio. Well, and it's funny, in this meeting last night, the students were polled. So there's now a high school open, a STEM high school, about their options and and the types of experiences offered. And the students asked for art. They are incorporating that into their option program, which I think is great. And I think it's so interesting that that was a student ask and that they found a way to incorporate it. Um, So both digital art, but more than more traditional art as well. And, Mm -hmm. And the students really... Yeah, express that interest. And I think for the school, it really aligns with like the design thinking model because a lot of the problems that they're having students solve require creativity. Mm. And <laughs> that is so central to to art and the artistic process. A hundred percent. And let's not forget the preponderance of mental health issues and the state of people's mental health and how much returning to simple goodness can help people. You know, again, whether it's a walk, conversation, exercise, being out in nature, doing something with your hands, getting off of our screens. I mean, this is, this is a tool for living your best life. And I don't mean just fine art, just some form of creativity. It's really, it's it's important mode of, of expression during times of glory and celebration and during times of extreme pain and grief. We need to make sense out of things. We have, we have a saying here at the art studio, let's make beauty out of all this mess. And I think that really explains succinctly the emphasis on Life's going to be challenging. It's life. But what can we do with what's handed to us? And there's so many ways that we can talk about that as an analogy for creating great layering and depth in art, both the darkness and the light that's required to make a painting really good and deep and and beautiful. We need to have the dark colors, not just the light colors. So it's the joy and pain. It's really a neat analogy, I think. That's a beautiful analogy. I love that. Now, I want to inquire about your own experiences as a learner and who might be a favorite teacher that you've had over the years and why does that person mean so much to you? 
Well, so this is, this is really interesting. First of all, I'm going to have to start with life. Okay. So life has always been when you're paying attention, we tend to end up with great lessons revealing themselves. You know what they say, if you don't pay attention to the lesson, it's going to come back louder as time goes on. So let's talk about life as the great teacher first. But secondly, the most curious thing happened to me in preparation for our time together today. I really started to think about this because I know this is a question you've asked your other podcast guests. And I really wanted to think because teachers are so important and you are one. And I I value great teachers for my children, for myself, for the world. And I got to say, I couldn't come up with too many people in the, the classic teaching environment. But there were two that came up in an interesting way. One, we lived in Ottawa for four years. And right around the time that I was sort of eight, nine, ten years old. And I used to leave school and walk in that epic snow that Ottawa has. Calgary has good snow too. And I would walk to a woman's home by the name of Ingrid Levine. And she was a pretty you know, famous potter. And she taught pottery in her basement. And her basement was not glamorous. It wasn't beautiful. To me, it was totally beautiful. You know, with the stairs, (laughs) you know, the, the, the stairs without the risers or whatever. And a, a true old fashioned unfinished basement. And it was the most beautiful place on earth to me to come in out of the cold to that warmth and that creativity. Now I got to tell you, I was terrible potter. I made a lot of vases that leaked and we were all making ashtrays at that time. (laughs) I don't know why. I mean, nobody, nobody in my household smoked, but it was the thing we were all taught to make at school in the seventies. So anyway, I made some ugly things, but it, I didn't think they were ugly at the time. But that really left an impression on me. And then another amazing thing happened as I was thinking about this and kind of open to the universe showing me, who is that great teacher? And somebody today liked something on my Instagram and it was a brand new person. And their last name was very unique. And I thought, oh my goodness, very unique. I've never heard this last name again. She's a young woman with a young family. So I reached out to her. I sent her a DM and I said, are you by any chance related to, and I don't know whether I should or shouldn't use the name right now, but she said, my, my dad's family is from Ottawa. So she's busy trying to figure out if this is, you know, an aunt or I don't know. I, I don't, or, you know, I had to come up with the first name, but I, it's, this teacher was spectacular. Her joy of teaching was embedded in everything she did. And she went and got pregnant. And so she had to leave our class in the middle of, you know, I think she was having her first baby. So everybody was so happy for her. I was devastated because I loved her so much. But she left this indelible mark on me that, you know, a classroom or a studio, or a room anywhere, or you don't even have to be in a room, can be really whatever you make it, that can kind of be your kingdom while people are in your space. And you can make it magical, you can make it hopeful, you can make it joyful and colorful. And that's what she gave me. And so I'd say those two examples, you know, this basement, not perfect by anybody's you know, idea of a perfect anything, but she was perfect. That Potter, she was perfect. Her space was perfect. The experience was perfect. Walking there by myself was perfect. And then of course this grade five teacher. So it was knowing you were going to ask me that really opened my mind to it in a cool way. Well, and it is so remarkable how these people in our lives can leave that lasting impression and just create such a positive experience for us that sticks with us. And we kind of circle back to that. So 
I want you to think about when you look back at your own journey so far, what is something that you would be the most proud of? Oh, I think this is, this is pretty easy for me to come up with, I think. And it would be, if I can choose a few things, my ability to pivot, uh, especially in challenging times. So my two big challenging times in business were, or personally were, when I left my marriage of 16 years and the art school was very small and I needed to either find something else in a hurry or turn up the volume on the art school. And I did just that and the universe responded and it was, it was magical, truly magical. I mean, really the community just came out and it was, it just lifted me right up. And the other would be definitely the pandemic. Within two weeks of that, you know, famous March 13, I had created an online um, uh, experience for people to sign up and created art kits. Not well at the beginning, by the way. It took some time. I never built art kits before. I'd always had, you know, either bringing bringing programming out in the field to corporations or the camp that I run or schools, or having people here, but building up six weeks of supplies for people to pick up in packages with canvases and paint and all the right amounts was new learning. But I, that, that ability to pivot and to be resourceful uh, when, you know, it might have been easier to just give up. And my energy, I also am grateful for that. I'm proud of that, that I, that I'm able to be hopeful and joyful and dig deep when I need to. I say those three things. I think those are great. A great list of three. I have a few rapid fire questions for you. The first is what is something that you would love to learn about or something that you would love to learn how to do? Oh, I would love, so it's, I mean, there's so many things I want to learn to do, but in terms of art, I would love to get into metalwork and create a big, beautiful outdoor sculpture of metal. So I think that would be, now that I've put it out there, let's see, let's see how long it takes for that to kind of land on my lap. But I would love to do that, to get good at that. What is a place that is at the top of your travel bucket list? I am going to Spain next year to my niece's wedding. And I haven't been to Spain since I was in my 20s. Very excited about that. I would also like to go to San Miguel de Allende in Mexico. I, I mean, I think I have, I have all kinds of, I'd love to go, I'd love to go to Japan. I don't know. Don't get me started. The list is long. <laughs> I feel the same way. What is a book, podcast, movie, or TV show that you've enjoyed recently? Tiana, I just finished, and I think so many people are reading this right now or have read it, but Barbara Kingsolver's Damon Copperhead. It broke my heart in half. I I can't even, oh, I can't even think about it without getting, it's, it was so beautifully written. It was so beautifully written, but it was, it was a hard, it was a hard book, but it was a beautiful book. So I absolutely love that. I'd recommend that to anybody who loves deep character development and beautiful writing. This is supposed to be rapid fire and I'm talking too much. I love the Huberman podcast. I went to see him speak in person when he was in Toronto. It was sold out. So neuroscience has just gotten very sexy. <laughs> Okay, those both sound like great recommendations and two that I haven't heard. So I'll be adding those to my list. So thank you. And if you could sit down and have a conversation with someone that you would love to learn from, who would it be and why? I recently was asked this question and I said, Sarah Blakely, I, you know, the um, founder of Spanx, I've been following her for a while and I just love her resourcefulness, her grit, her persistence, her generous, kind spirit. You know, I think she lends out her wedding dress, you know, 
and ships it to people who I, I, she just, it's never ending the kinds of things she's doing. So yeah, I'm, my plan is to have a nice cold beer with her and a long chat in 2024. Just have to get her to say yes. I look forward to hearing about that. I thought it would be a fantastic conversation. And my last big question for you is just around the idea that education plays such a big part of all facets of our lives. And I'm wondering if you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom that could empower or support people on their own teaching and learning journeys. That's such a good question, Tiana. And I think you would agree and I hear it in your voice and everything you do, that we need to remind ourselves that we are here to learn, not get it right necessarily, but just stay open, stay hungry, stay green, you know, stay young in our approach to not judging. I work on that all the time because I think it's easy to slide into a position of judgment. And, you know, the thing I can't bear when people say is it is what it is. It isn't what it is. It's whatever you make it. And so I think that's where the learning happens. Well, I love ending our conversation on that note. I want to thank you, Nancy, so much for your time and connecting with me and sharing your story and all your words of wisdom. If our listeners are wanting to learn more about you and all the things that you're up to, where are the best places to find you? Thank you so much. I am most active on Instagram where you kind of get a sense of how we do what we do. Uh, So that is Art Studio for Children. Remember, this is for young at heart of all ages. I'm working increasingly with adults, which I just adore. And then my website is artstudioforchildren.com. Perfect. I'll make sure to include those in the show notes. Thank you so very much, Nancy, for joining me today. It was just lovely to chat with you and to learn from you. I can't wait until we can see each other in person. Thank you so much for your time and for having me on your beautiful show. Thank you for listening to the People Teaching People podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Tiana Fesh and on my website, tianafesh.com. I would love it if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore all things teaching and learning together.